written for Pittsburgh, um, was written for the city, not so much the team, but the team is mentioned. And so around, you know, January, February of 2011, Lil Wayne went ahead and took that song and made it his own by changing nothing but the words uh, and put it out as one of his own songs. Uh, and that's just fine because it was supporting the Packers. It was supporting the team that was about to go and win the Super Bowl. All right? They did awesome. They did great. They did phenomenal. And for me, that was sophomore year of college. And so I remember being over there, and I went to college in Michigan. So for those of you familiar with the NFL, know that there is a team in Michigan, the Lions. Uh, and you don't root for the Lions. You pity the Lions. And, and so you root for other teams. Uh, and, and the Packers just happen to be doing well. They're in the division, so it's like, all right, let's root for the Packers. And there were so many Packers fans at Concordia Ann Arbor, um, a lot more than I thought there were originally. Uh, and so we get to the Super Bowl. They win. We're awesome. We're so excited, and everything's great. And then I stopped seeing people as excited as, as they once were. I stopped seeing people getting as invested in, in the free agency, you know, in the draft, in some of the spring games, in some of the opportunities we have to look into these rookies and figure out, okay, were their college careers really something or did they just do something at the, you know, towards the end like Johnny Manziel did and then blow up in the NFL? Like, we don't know what they're going to be like. And so we got to dive into there. We got to deal with the mess. And then years after that, we got to deal with the fact that maybe the Packers aren't going to come back and win it. You know, we believe, and then a few weeks in, we realize, no, it's not, it's not going to be a win. People started to die off. And so the fear that I had was this song, this soundtrack to my life for the rest of college, was it written by a fan or was it written by a follower? Because I, I am a follower. I was born in to the Packers world, all right? I was born bleeding green and gold. My future daughter will be born bleeding green and gold. All right, she is, she is she's going to love it. She's going to be invested right there with her daddy, uh, with her mom, because she, she doesn't have a team. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, we're all Packers fans. But the fear I have is what happens when people aren't as committed what happens when people aren't as, as willing to be a part of what I'm willing to be a part of? And so the man who wrote that song is pictured for you right here, Lil Wayne. And he's, you know, I don't know. Is he really a Packers fan? And so I had to do some research. I had to look into it. But, but first, let me just make sure you know that I truly am a follower. I'm a follower of the pack. I'm a follower of these guys, these men, these boys. And for me, it became so real because, like I said, I was born into it, 1990. I was born, Green Bay, wore it, wore it to school, was teased because I lived in Indiana. They don't have a team either. So in 97, it became real for me because in 97, Brett Favre took the Packers to a Super Bowl in New Orleans, defeated the New England Patriots, which everyone is happy about, and just took home Super Bowl 31 for Green Bay. It was a fantastic day, and that just became real to me, that like, this is my team. These are my guys. I will live and I will die by them. And if you're not willing to get on board, well, get out, because this is God's team, all right? It's got the G. It's God's team. So I, I was just, I was amped for it. And so I was there. And I really got into everything it was. I had my subscription to Sports Illustrated for kids because I was six. So the old stuff I didn't understand. So I got the ones with the pictures. Anytime there's Packers stuff, cut it out, put it on my wall. In third grade, I got to move to uh, uh, Wisconsin. I was actually not happy about it, um, but enjoyed. I got to go to a Packers game, got to go to their, their practices during the summer. Um, if you've never heard of it, what you get to do is you get to take your bike outside of the locker room. Uh, the Packers will ride your bike to 
practice field, and you get to ride on their back. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Got to do that. Um, got to experience some of the super downtimes of the Packer franchise, like when Brett Favre got addicted to pain pills, sent some pictures he probably shouldn't have sent. Uh, and also, we had to deal with that whole retirement fiasco towards the end of 2007 when the Packers were like, are we going to support Brett Favre, or are we going to go with this young gun in the ranks? And what Brett Favre could have done is, if you don't go with me, you're going to lose, which they did. Or he could have said what he said, which is, don't worry about Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be great. So you get to be with the Packers in the good times and the bad times. And what I was just so concerned about is, is Lil Wayne, the man who wrote this song, as invested as me. Was he there in 2007 when the Packers were deciding whether or not they were sticking with Brett Favre and they ended up not? Was he there dealing with the struggle of having to split my allegiance between the Jets and, and, and Green Bay? Was he there the next year when Brett Favre went back to the division, to the Vikings? Was he there to just, just absorb the pain of having to be able to support the Packers, but then also having to kind of debate on whether or not you're going to root for Brett Favre when he was playing the Packers? Of course not, but you were happy when he beat the Packers once so he could defeat every, every one of the 32 NFL teams. But it was just the one. We gave him one. Were you there when Brett Favre got hit on December 5th 2010 by a Buffalo Bills linebacker and injured his shoulder, ending his starting streak of 297 regular season games. Were you there when two weeks later he was hit by a Bears defensive player and had such an extreme concussion? He leaned over to his trainer and was like, why are the Bears here? Last NFL game he was ever in. There are fans and there are followers. And for a fan, when that rough stuff pops up, when that junk comes out, when that, that stuff that you didn't really expect to happen comes around, how do you react? Because a fan is probably, they were just watching from the sidelines like, oh, that's not really going the way I wanted it to go. I'm going to just go home. I'll back a different team. A follower is going to push through that junk. A follower is going to push through that unexpected occurrences. A follower is going to push through when Brett Favre goes to a division rival. And in that same way, a follower of Christ is going to push through a lot of junk, a lot of mess you didn't expect to have to deal with, a lot of stuff that you had no idea was coming into your life. And so for Lil Wayne, seeing whether or not he was truly a follower, I did my research. And actually, just to quell all your concerns, because I know you're worried, Lil Wayne became a true Packers fan the same year that, that I did, in 1997. Because Lil Wayne grew up in New Orleans. Lil Wayne grew up, he was, his family was, was, was poor, but his dad got the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl that the Packers won. Hooray. Um, after the Super Bowl, he used his money and bought a whole bunch of Packers memorabilia. How many of you, after the Astros won, bought a whole bunch of Astros crap? Notice the difference in language there. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, Astros stuff. So, with the Astros stuff, do you use it on a regular basis or is it on display for all to see? Who's got it on display? Less of you than I thought. Who uses it every day? Well, good, so did Lil Wayne. And that's how he became a Packers fan. Every morning he'd take a shower and he'd dry himself off with a Packers towel. He'd sit down to lunch and he'd be drinking out of a Packers cup with Brett Favre's face on his plate. He was wearing Packers clothes. He was, he was dressing in, in Packers shoes and Packers hats. He had Packers everything. 
He was immersed in Packer's culture and is a true lover and a true follower of the Packers, of the green and gold. Go, Pack, go. Can we say the same for our faith in Jesus? Because as we're looking at Mark 11 today, and that's where our reading is going to be, and I'm, I'm going to jump around a little bit in there. If you want to jump into Mark chapter 11, that's where we'll spend a lot of time. In Mark chapter 11, we get to see the largest group of fans that Jesus ever had. But something that I want you all to be aware of even before we get in too far is that a fan will show its true colors when the junk happens. A fan is going to show you exactly what they truly believe when they're challenged when they're faced with adversity, when an obstacle shows up. And so for us right now, we're going to look at Mark chapter 11, specifically verses 7 through 9, in order to determine who are the fans and who are the followers. So when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead, um, those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so what's significant here is this last line right here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All four gospel accounts use exactly that line. So you know if it's in Scripture, obviously it's significant. If it's in Scripture four times by four separate writers in four, four events, they're the same event, but they're using the exact same line, you know it's significant. Because this is what the people were shouting. This is what the crowds were shouting. All right? Coming in the week of Passover... That's Jewish Super Bowl. Week of, these people are seeing it and they're like, this is the winning team. This is the Packers in 97. This is the Packers in 2011. This is our guy. This is the team we're behind. This is the one we're supporting. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then you fast forward less than a week later. It's Super Bowl Thursday night. And Jesus is arrested. And suddenly this crowd of people who, who was shouting his praises, was just cheering him on, was decked out in his gear. Suddenly he's nowhere to be found. Or even worse, they're calling him out, they're jeering him, they're yelling at him, they're screaming at him. And that's where we fast forward over into Luke chapter 23. And what we see here is our first glimpse of one of Jesus' fans showing their true colors. Because King Herod... King Herod was kind of a messed up guy, had a lot of things going on in his own personal life, but was just such a fan of Jesus because he thought, Jesus can do magic tricks, you know, Jesus can do cool things. And you have to remember back then, there's no TV, there's no internet, there's no cell phones, there's nothing entertaining like that we have today. They have like murder and carnage uh, and, and like different sort of things that they did to people. They had crucifixions, they had executions, um, and then they had sand. Like that's how, that's how entertainment was. So Herod was excited to be able to have this magic guy come and see him. So Jesus is arrested, and the guy's like, well, I'm going to send him to you because he's, he's Jewish, and you're Jewish, and you should probably be in charge of this. Herod's like, that sounds so cool, yes! But then Jesus doesn't play ball. Jesus doesn't do what's expected. Jesus doesn't retire when he's asked to. Jesus remains who he is. And Herod and his soldiers' response, Herod and his soldiers, the ones who were fans of Jesus, waiting for the day they got to see him in real life, ridiculed and mocked him. They dressed him in an elegant robe and they sent him back to Pilate, ashamed. 
And then in Mark chapter 15, we fast forward to Jesus on the cross. Those same people who were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, have now taken a totally different tune. Those who passed by him hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross. And then they also continue by saying, let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And then finally, going back to Luke chapter 23, we get one more yell at Jesus. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him and they said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And so what we're seeing here are how the fans of Jesus are showing their true colors. They were ready to be with him when it was easy. They were ready to be with him when everybody else was. They were ready to be with him as he's riding in on a donkey, as they're able to shout out together. When they thought he was going to be to free them, he was going to be the one to free them from Rome. He was going to be the one to become their new king. He was going to be the one to bring in, to usher in this new rule, this new reign, this new kingdom, this awesome moment. But what they realized is he was going to do something very different, something unexpected, something they didn't want, something they didn't see coming, and something they didn't understand. Their king was arrested and was murdered. And so the fans not only fell away, they switched sides. It'd be like if you became a Rangers fan. It'd be like if you took everything you believed in and just threw it away because you didn't want to be caught on the losing tide. And this is what these people did to Jesus. This is what the fans did to Jesus. The followers of Jesus, the true followers of Jesus, even though they didn't know what was going on, they stuck by him. And we get a glimpse of them in John chapter 19, verse 25, where it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And then in addition to these four ladies, we also have John, the writer of this account. And so what's happening here is the very few faithful followers of Jesus are thinking, what, what are we going to do? How do we deal with this? I mean, he, he said he was going to destroy the temple and, and raise it again in three days, but now he's, he's dying. How, how can he do that? And they didn't understand, and yet they stuck with him. They stuck by him. And they got to see the reward that Jesus had promised them, a reward they didn't even fully understand, a reward of Jesus returning three days later of declaring not only his victory over death, but also his victory over sin, so that these four, and John, and all of the others, all of the fans, all of the people who thought they were really with Jesus, but as soon as it became hard, fell away, he told them how he came and he saved them all. Because he loved them. Because they very clearly showed that they didn't deserve any of this. But he wanted to give it to them. He wanted them to receive his grace, his love, his mercy, and everything else. And so for you, where do you fall? Are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? Because right now, we don't have to deal with, with, with walking up, going to the cross, and literally seeing a man dying up there. But we do have to deal with the junk here in this world. 
We have to deal with the junk here in this culture. We have to deal with the junk that's going on in our lives. And a fan, as soon as junk pops up, is immediately going to fall back into what culture tells them is right. A fan does not want to have to talk about abortion like we did last week. A fan does not want to have to talk about homosexuality. A fan does not want to have to talk about being transgender. A fan does not want to have to talk about gene manipulation to get the baby of your dreams. A fan does not want to have to talk about these things that our culture is doing and trying to normalize. But a follower will. A follower will walk in the mess. A follower will walk in the junk. A follower will hear the uncomfortable things that Jesus asks us to do and will do their absolute best to accomplish those things. But hear me right. A follower can also look like a fan from time to time. All of us are broken, all right? Every one of you is broken. If you don't believe me, you're wrong. You're broken. God loves you in spite of that. God wants to use you in spite of that. And he's going to ask you to do uncomfortable things. He's going to ask you to do things that you don't really want to have to do. He's going to ask you to be a part of things that that may look borderline illegal. Going back to Mark 11, take a look at the first part again. The first three verses, Jesus says um, to his disciples, I need this thing. And here's the story. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. If we were to put that into today's culture, that would be theft, um, potentially grand theft auto, and no one is going to believe that you're going to send their car back, all right? Like, I was, um, I don't know what cars y'all drive, but I do know that LaDrica Price drives a Mercedes SUV. I'm a fan of the crossovers. I like the suv size things. Um, so if I went up to LaDrica and I was like, hey, I'm going to take your car because I need it, but I'll send it back. She's not going to let me have her car. She's not going to allow me to take that. And yet, in this moment, they did. They even asked the question, like, what are you doing? Like, oh, Jesus needs it. Like, oh, cool, take it. That's that's not how our world works. And yet, in their trusting of God, in their trusting of Jesus and what he asked them to do, something greater than they imagined could happen. Now, that's silly. That's little. So now let's bring it into our lives. What's potentially the most uncomfortable thing Jesus is asking you to do? How many of you in your phone right now have even just one person who does not know who Jesus is? I got to believe there's more hands than what I'm seeing. Because every single one of you knows someone that does not know the love that Jesus has for them. Every single one of you has been challenged by Jesus himself to go and make disciples of all nations. Every single one of you has been given this life, this opportunity, this this short amount of time here on this earth in order to show people that you're so much more than a fan. You're so much more than one of those people who ran away from Jesus on the cross. You're so much more than one of those people who runs away from a tough conversation. You're so much more than one of those people who's afraid that their relationships are going to fall apart, they're going to lose friends, they're going to lose family because they're willing to stand up for what Jesus has called them to do. But the difference is, if Jesus wouldn't have got his donkey, he may have had to walk. 
if you don't tell your friend about Jesus, they may be in hell. What Jesus has told us is that you are my disciples. You are my people. I have given you the gift of salvation. But it doesn't stop with you. Jesus has so much more planned for you. And he's going to use your life. And there's going to be opportunities where you miss it. There's going to be opportunities where you totally blow it. There's going to be a chance where you're able to just say, no, Jesus loves you so much. You have the opportunity to break free from this sin because of what Jesus has done for you. And instead, you're going to just stay silent. But in that moment, that grace that Jesus has given to you is still freely offered. He doesn't stop because you mess up. But he does continue to expect you to step up. He continues to ask you to do more than, than what a fan does on the sideline. He expects you to get in the game, to be a part of the process, to be a part of, of the mission field. And to have those difficult conversations with your friends, with your family, with complete strangers in order to make sure that the kingdom of God is as big as possible. Jesus knew the junk you were going to face in this calling he's put on your life. In Matthew chapter 5, we see one of the many examples where he tells you, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. But rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are not the first person to feel uncomfortable telling someone that their life, their life doesn't reflect what Jesus wants for them. You're also not the last person that's ever going to say it. But right now, in this time, in this place, in this community here at Pilgrim, you have been entrusted with this short lifetime to share your reward with everyone you know. And it's not like pie. It's not like pizza. It's not like any sort of food where when you share it, you have less. You have just as much as you ever had because God doesn't give you just a certain amount. God gives you so much more than you could ever imagine. He gives you immeasurably more than you could ever need so that you can reach everybody else. So when God asks you, to do the uncomfortable. What are you going to do? Are you a fan? Or are you a follower? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much that you continue to pour into our lives, that you continue to give us everything that, you, that we need, that you continue to give us opportunity after opportunity, chance after chance, person after person to share the message of your love, your grace, your peace, and your mercy with. And God, as we're marching in to this, this next holy week, as we're marching into another opportunity to remember why you did what you did, but also why we can walk around with such confidence, God, I just ask you to please give us another opportunity to praise you to expand your kingdom, to show off the reward that we know we already have in order to make sure that your kingdom is as big as possible. God, we know we mess up. 
We know we have junk in our lives, but help us to be more than a fan sitting on the sideline. Help us to become followers and to continue to do your will instead of our own. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, and it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.